In the event that David Tepper makes yet another coaching change, could he right or wrong and lure back Steve Wilkes to Carolina? We'll talk about it here on this weekly Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow our show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me. Julian Council on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every Wednesday like today for the rest of the regular season, I'll be answering your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me on Twitter, at Julian Council, to get your questions in for next week's edition of the weekly Wednesday mailbag right here on Locked on Panthers. Today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nfl that's linkedin.com slash locked on nfl to post your job for free terms and conditions apply before i get to your weekly wednesday mailbag questions a quick couple of updates of the Carolina Panthers roster uh, that came out on Tuesday afternoon. They have released starting left guard Calvin Throckmorton and signed veteran linebacker Tate Davis, a position of need after seeing some of the injuries that have happened this season with Chandler Wooten going down. Of course, Shaq Thompson. They need to add some more depth there at inside linebacker. They're doing that with Tate Davis, a former Atlanta Falcon. As far as Throckmorton goes, a tad bit of a surprising news but this coaching staff has been alluding to, not the coaching staff, Frank Reich rather, has been alluding to changes on offense. Whether he would take over the play calling, he'd look at the lineup, he said that no one would be fired, although roles could change, like Thomas Brown, of course, not being the play caller. But looking at the players, he's decided that, all right, Calvin Throckmorton, Pro Football Focus has you graded out at 50.6. You haven't been great. We continuously have issues or pressure up the middle, you have not been good for us. So, yeah, we're going to move on. And it looks like this is an opportunity for some younger players like uh, Chandler Zavala, who started four games this season at left guard before going out with that neck injury against Detroit. He had another opportunity. Maybe Cade Mays, who started uh, week two at right guard before he was replaced by Throckmorton, then came in later on at left guard at the end of that Lions game, then started at left guard against the Dolphins in week six before the bye. Maybe he steps in there. At left guard, I'm not quite sure who's it going to be. Zavala wasn't great when he played there, but Zavala's a part of the future here in Carolina. Throckmorton, he was only on a one-year deal. He's not going to be here next year, so it makes sense to move on. And Cade Mays also is a part of the future here on this offensive line and played better at left guard than he did at right guard, which not quite sure why that was the case, uh, but maybe... Maybe he's able to step in there and continue to play that well, and they can solidify what's going to go on with the offense line the rest of the way. But we're looking at yet another change at left guard in the interior of the Carolina Panthers offensive line, and that will be interesting to see 
moving forward in the final eight games of the season. The Panthers also signed David Sharp, the tackle, back to the active roster. They waived him last week and put him on the practice squad. He's back on the 53, so congratulations to him. And missed this on Monday, but they released safety Matthias Farley and tight end, formerly wide receiver Jordan Matthews on Monday. Would not be surprised to see either one of those guys signed to the practice squad. What they needed to do was open up some roster spots as Ian Thomas and... Most notably, J.C. Horn are almost back. They're designated to return from IR. Took part in a walkthrough on Monday. We'll see what they look like on Wednesday as far as their game status will be. So that is a couple of roster updates. But let's get into it. The weekly Wednesday mailbag. And y'all asked me this question more than any question this week. I have gotten so many people who have asked me this, knowing that the situation here in Carolina at 1-8, is not great, and it feels very likely if things continue to head into this direction that Frank Reich will not be back for a second season here in Carolina. Maybe Frank Reich gets another opportunity, and Scott Fitterer is the scapegoat instead. Uh, But right now, would not surprise me if the Carolina Panthers are out there searching for yet another head coach. Because that is the case, and we know who the Panthers did not hire, y'all are asking me, if that person will come back to Carolina. Stone, he is one of 20 people, it feels like, who asked, if we fire Frank Reich, what are the chances we could get Steve Wilkes to come back, and would it be a good idea to do that? Because I understand he's probably pissed at David Tepper. Okay, so... (laughs) I mean... So I asked this question back when he did not get the job originally and people were talking about, okay, well, that's all right. Frank Reich, he can be the head coach of the offense, basically, and Steve Wilkes can be the head coach of the defense as the defensive coordinator. And for a multitude of reasons, that just did not make any sense. That locker room wanted Steve Wilkes. The locker room is already bought into Steve Wilkes. I don't see how Frank Reich can come in and lead the locker room if Steve Wilkes is still in there. Also, for Steve Wilkes, he's a man of pride. And I don't think... He's letting pride get in the way by saying that I'm I'm good. I don't want to be demoted back to D.C. He wasn't even in D.C. in the first place. Why would he want to stay here when he rightfully earned the job and work for somebody else? Like, that's never going to be an arrangement that would make any sense. And I asked a lot of people when they were suggesting that, would you do that at your job? If you were basically the interim for a certain position at your job, you did a good job, well above what anyone expected you to do, and you were deserving of it, and then they decided, actually, no, we want to bring somebody else in to have that job instead of you, but you can be their number two. No, that, that's not going to work out, especially if your coworkers have appreciated your leadership, they were behind you, they wanted you to get the job, and then they bring somebody else in. How is that going to work out? How is that going to be a feasible situation in the workplace, whether it be the Carolina Panthers or wherever you may work? It just did not make sense. So people were asking Steve Wilkes to do something that, quite honestly, I don't think that they would do. And they're saying, oh, well, you know, if the money was right, okay, Steve Wilkes got his money, man. It's clearly not only about the money for Steve Wilkes. He should have got the job, didn't get the job. For me, David Tepper, he blew his shot. If he ever wanted to have Steve Wilkes as his full-time head coach, he should have done it back in January. But he decided that he did not want to do that. He wanted an offensive head coach. He wanted someone who had experience like Steve Wilkes. He went out there and got Frank Reich. And so far, what he's gotten in return is 1-8. and And Steve Wilkes is coaching up a pretty good defense there in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. I think that Steve Wilkes is probably not very interested in this job. Now, I talked to somebody 
who is uh, close to Steve Wilkes, and asked him, do you think that Steve Wilkes would ever come back and take this job? And the person flat out just said no. This is also the same person that told me that Steve Wilkes didn't really feel that fondly about David Tepper even last year when he was the interim and was winning some games. So it doesn't really look like Steve Wilkes is that big of a Tepper fan in the first place when he was coaching here. And now that he didn't get the job, I just don't see it happening. Now, I am also the same person who told you all to move on. Cam Newton's never come back here. And Cam Newton, of course, did come back. Now, that turned out to be a fun 10 days. And in the end, did not amount to anything at all other than more pain. And then yet another breakup with the best player, one of the best players in franchise history. So I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but I would give it a very low percentage chance that it happened. That Steve Wilkes decides that, you know what, the owner passed up on me. I'm going to bail him out. I'm going to go back home to Carolina. I just don't see it happening. Maybe it does, but I do not think that's a realistic possibility, just like I did not think it was a realistic possibility that Steve Wilkes would stay on as a defensive coordinator when David Tepper decided that his homecoming story was bringing Frank Reich instead of the guy who's actually from Charlotte. It had won games here for him last season and also has won games in the past. So, no, I, I, I don't see it happening, but I figured since I'm going to continue to get inundated with this question, why not lead off the show, title the show about Steve Wilkes potentially coming back to Carolina? I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe it does. Um, if so, great. Hopefully it works out. But I would not uh, hold your breath on that one. All right, more questions here on the other side. Because, of course, it's Wednesday, and y'all have plenty of things to ask me. We'll get into Scott Fitter, his uh, job status, and how much longer he may be here. And is it time for youth movement in Carolina? That much more coming up here on the weekly Wednesday mailbag on Locked On Panthers. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. And when you do, make sure to have the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins, and you can bet on anybody you want to bet on. Any NFL team would not suggest Carolina Panthers. You can bet on the NBA with the in-season tournament going on right now. You got college basketball, both men's and women's. You got college football winding down here as we get closer to the conference championships and bowl season. So much going on across the sports world, which is why if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than getting in the action right now. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
All right, let's get back into it. The weekly Wednesday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers at me or DM me. But first, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council. Get your question for next week. Going over to Herbert. Uh, he asked me, there's been some teams with little talent that have managed to extract the most out of their players by either scheme or putting them in situations that are favorable. I understand our talent and skill positions is lacking, but the coaching staff is supposed to be an all-star staff. Could it be that they're getting in their own way and can't find an identity? I refuse to believe that we're we're worse off now in terms of talent than we were a year ago. So defensively, we know what the issues have been. And the defense coming out of the bye has allowed 13, 13, and 16 points to opposing offenses. They have played well without having Shaq Thompson, without having J.C. Horn, having Miss Von Bell, um, Xavier Woods, Brian Burns. They have missed a multitude of starters uh, for a period of time, if not games, so far this season. And that unit, post-bye especially, has held up. That's the unit that has all the excuses in the world to be as bad as they have been. Now, offensively, if there's any unit where there can be even a tiny bit of an excuse, it's the offensive line. We've talked about it in the past. Continuity is so important. That O-line in 2021 was never going to be good. But had they not started 13 different starting combinations, I think they would have been maybe passable. But that offense line was just hot garbage. Now, the next season, when they only start two different combinations and they put in Bradley Bozeman once uh, Pat Elfline goes down for the rest of the season with a hip injury, they take off. And they were very good, especially as a downhill running attack. We're finding out that the offense line that was built appears to be better suited for a power rushing attack than they are suited for a drop-back passing-style offense, which is a problem for Frank Reich, Thomas Brown, and this offense as they love to throw the ball, and they have not been able to establish any sort of running game so far this season, which certainly has been a surprise after seeing what Miles Sanders did last year in Philadelphia and what this offensive line did last season. And Sanders played behind a better offensive line last season, but we understand that this offensive line was very good as far as when they wanted to run the football and... I am kind of surprised at how big of a step they've taken back. Now, if you want to talk about the excuse that they would have had, it's that Austin Corbett was on pup, missed six games. That was always going to hinder the O-line to a certain extent. Then you lose Brady Christensen for the rest of the season. Now we're seeing yet another change as they release Calvin Throckmorton. There's an excuse there. But that still does not necessarily speak to... I mean, totally to why Icky Kwanu has struggled. Maybe if you would have Brady Christensen, he plays better, but he was struggling even in the preseason. Um, we've seen Bradley Bozeman have some issues this year. I get it. You're only as good a lot of times as guys next to you, especially when it comes to those kind of units, but they have played poorly. But overall, it's a lot of the same guys. And offensively, I had talked about in the offseason, I felt like, when you look at some of the skill position guys, when you really look at the last 12 games after Christian McCaffrey was gone, Robbie Anderson is gone, offensively when it came to the passing game, it was DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall. Coming into the season, the thought was, oh, you're going to have uh, Adam Thielen, you have DJ Chark, you're going to have Miles Sanders going to help you out of the backfield, you're going to have Hayden Hurst, and then Jonathan Mingo, Terrace Marshall, will figure out how those guys are able to factor into it. Same thing with LaVishka Chanel. It felt like they had more options, and that has not materialized at all. The only option that's been there consistently has been Adam Thielen. So that's a problem. You changed out the skill position, probably added more guys. You added to it, and it's somehow worse. And the thought was maybe you're upgrading at running back, 
and that guy has been benched in favor for a player who was the backup to the running back you let go in free agency and Chuba Hubbard being here now. So I don't know, man. It's That is the thing that is going to get these guys fired, that they spent a lot of time collaborating with Scott Fitter, which we can get here into a moment. Um, but they spent a lot of time collaborating with him to bring in some of these players, and these guys have not worked. Their scheme has not worked, and that has hindered Bryce Young's ability to develop this year in Carolina, and that will be why Frank Reich, Thomas Brown, and the rest of them will not be here in Carolina if things don't all of a sudden turn around, which it's hard to see that being the case based off of the, I don't know, nine-game sample size that we've seen so far. So, yeah, I'm I'm there with you. The, the talent's not great. It wasn't great last year <laughs> at the end of the year. You did at least have DJ Moore, and Adam Thielen's not that, but he's been basically that for the Panthers' offense this year. You felt like there was somewhat of an upgrade in terms of options. That has not been the case, so I got that wrong, and, of course, the staff got that wrong big time. All right, now we're to Kendrick. Uh, interesting question about just the drafting and the scouting of players. He said a big issue that we all see about this team is that the roster is weak and that the scheme doesn't fit the personnel. Uh, just looking at our previous draft picks in the previous regime, it appears that their RAS score was a huge factor in deciding who was selected. If we keep fitter as GM, do you expect that trend to continue or could we consider that a rule tactic? With that being said, with another offseason under this regime, do you trust them with way more cap space and less draft capital to actually obtain the players to finally provide us with a palatable team in the future? Now, you asked what RAS score is. It's relative athletic score. It's a metric that combines the various categories measured at the NFL combine, height, weight, wingspan, drill, exercise, etc., into one aggregate number that's then contextualized against other athletes of the same position. Now, when we look at production in college versus like body type, we can quickly point to guys like Brandon Smith, who never really produced back at, at Penn State, but he looked the part, and he's no longer here in Carolina. Amari Barno was a fast kind of guy coming out of Virginia Tech. He has not necessarily done much at all so far, but I don't think the expectations have really been high for Amari Barno, who's now getting some opportunities as there's been some attrition there at outside linebacker. Just looking at this draft, you look at night two. Jonathan Mingo wasn't even the leading receiver at Ole Miss, uh, but then he's someone they bring in because they like his body type. DJ Johnson, a project, also the same kind of deal. But then you look in day three, Chandler Zavala was a starter. Jamie Robinson, a two-time first-team All-ACC player. Like Those guys, uh, at least Robinson especially, don't necessarily fit that archetype of what you're looking for at the position. So I do think that's been a part of it. And it's hard for me to think that because you look, we've gone over this. Everyone on the staff wanted Bryce Young. Jonathan Mingo, Sean Jefferson, the wide receiver coach, really loved him. And he had a great interview. Big reason why he's here. Uh, DJ Johnson, that was a Jero Averro who really wanted him. Uh, Zavala, it seems a big reason they brought him in is because his relationship with Icky Iquano, the five total games they played together at NC State. And then Jamie Robinson, not quite sure who who really wanted him. Icky Iquano, that's kind of like, feels like a rule pick. Uh, Matt Corral, same kind of deal. And then... I don't know. I, I don't know who to attribute some of these players to. Kalen Barnes, they drafted in the seventh round out of Baylor, played for Rule, and Rule called him and said, hey, you still fast? 2021, a lot of that feels like Matt Rule. A lot of it does. And we know now that Matt Rule had control of the 53. Yes, when you look at the draft day trades, Matt Rule had no idea how to do that, how to maneuver, how to value 
picks and all that. A lot of that had to be Scott Fitterer. But when I just look at Scott, I just wonder a lot of times just how much of a say did he have in a lot of these decisions that were made. Now, he's a general manager, so of course he had a big say. But they keep talking about collaboration. They say it all the time. Collaboration, collaboration. And Mike Cave, the Charlotte Observer, brought this up in a recent column that he had this earlier this week. Because of that, that's what makes it difficult to really parse through whose decisions were whose. Because I got two other questions about this. Uh, Mark saying, do you think Scott Fitter will be fired because he and his staff are horrible at evaluating talent or because he has not made a decision since he's been the Panthers' a general manager? He has deferred all personnel decisions to rule, teppers, and the coaches. Like, that's the collaboration we're talking about. And it's a good thing to have the alignment because that's so key in any organization that the owner, down to the general manager, the scouts, to the head coach, that they all are on the same page with what vision they have for the organization. And we have seen that play out where every time he gets a chance, Frank Reich's letting us know that, okay, Scott, he handles all the personnel decisions. That's that's on Scott. And it makes sense. Frank Reich can be, hey, I want Brian Burns to be here in Carolina, and he can go out there and sign him or not sign him. He's not kind of dealing with the cap. That's Samir Suleiman. He's not necessarily overly concerned about that kind of, of that part of things. But do you believe that during the draft process, he does not have some sort of input? Uh, on the players and who he would like to fit into his scheme, what he wants to do. You have to imagine that. But a lot of the free agents, that feels like big time Frank Reich. The draft classes, that's where it's a little bit muddier to figure out whose decision was this. And you got Ben from Cambridge, England also asking, well, this is different. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'll get to Ben's question out on the other side. Uh, but that's, that's the thing about it with Scott Fitterer. Do I think he's done a good job? No. I do not think he's done a good job. Um, do I think all of the mistakes are attributed to Scott Fitterer? No. But it's just difficult to figure out which ones were, which ones weren't. And that's why I'm still kind of here on the fence of, do you change it? Because if you did, or is it really him? Is it Was it rule? Is it the staff currently here? Like, does everything have to change? Is it the owner? That's what's so difficult to figure out about Scott Fitterer. One thing I do know is, He's the next one on the chopping block. He's likely to be the scapegoat uh, if things continue to go this way. And just going back to Diana Rossini, the report that we talked about on yesterday's show, uh, the ownership does not like the way the roster was built. Scott Fitter has been here longer than the coaching staff. He's been a part of the last three drafts. And looking at it, there's plenty of guys. Now, the 2021 draft class had 11 players. You have J.C. Horn, who's on the roster, and whenever he's back, will be a key, a key contributor. Terrace Marshall, not really. Brady Christensen, injured, but a starter. Tommy Trimble is now starting at tight end. Chuba Hubbard now starting at running back. You look at the top half of that draft, like they brought in guys that are still here, but the rest of it, bunch of misses. 2022, it's really like Iki Aquanu. Maybe Cade Mays gets an opportunity to start moving forward. And in 2023, everyone's been a contributor so far. Bryce is a starter. John Mingo's a starter. DJ Johnson getting the opportunity now. Chandler Zavala maybe steps in there to be a starter again. Jamie Robinson's had to step up the last couple of weeks. Like there's been a lot of hits and misses in the draft, which is always going to be the case. There just has not been enough true difference makers, and that is a part of the problem here in Carolina when it comes to Scott Fitterer and whether he should stick around uh, as the Panthers' GM. All right, I'll take a quick pause and come back and answer some more questions about Scott Fitterer. Also got questions about what the Carolina Panthers should do in terms of Brian Burns' contract. And if it's time to bench some of these guys in favor of a youth movement, we'll get into that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. Price Picks is the most fun you'll have winning up to 25 times your money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats 
and place your entry. With basketball season finally here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can get LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey or Mr. Taylor Swift at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. Price picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types what make Price picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. A few more questions here on this weekly Wednesday mailbag edition of the show and appreciate all the people that sent in questions. I spent a lot of time um, on Tuesday afternoon after I got back from work going through my DMs to try and answer all of you uh, who sent in questions. Appreciate a lot of you. I mean, all of you guys for sending in questions because I know the season's not been great. Um, There's some people who are going to tune out. I get it. Uh, And I had someone after Thursday be like, hey, I'm checking out until the draft. And I get it, man. Uh, It sucks when the team loses. I'm the same way um, when my team loses. Except, you know, the heels this year in football, I've kind of stood – I've stayed by. I've tried to have a positive attitude. But I know when you get beaten down like Panther fans have been, I totally get not wanting to tune in. And I know not everyone tunes in on a daily basis anyways. But for all the everydayers out there, thank you. And just thank you to everybody that supports the show, tunes into the show, and that sends in questions because I can't do the mailbag without you. And that's the best way for you to interact with me and the show. So thank you to everyone that sent in a question. Always try to take uh, my time to go out there and answer your questions, even if they're not on the show. So appreciate all the folks that have sent in questions. Again, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, at me, DM me, get questions in for next week's edition of the show. And don't really start sending them in until um, after the game, unless there's like a big major breaking news story, then send them then, uh, but typically send them after the game. Now over to Ben from Cambridge, England. Appreciate all of our international listeners. He said, if David Tepper was to dispose of Scott Fitter and Frank Reich, who would you want to fill in as general G- as interim GM and head coach? What other coordinators and coaches would you wave goodbye to? That is an interesting question. I forget whether they would really have an interim GM or not. Because you would just think that, well, if they fire him, they're going to end up going and have, like, general manager's not going to have to do anything in anyways. Like, right now... What is Scott Fitter really doing? He's just hanging out. Trade deadline's over. He's evaluating the roster. They're probably putting together their board for free agency and all that. But you can live without Scott Fitter if you get rid of him right now. So I don't really feel like there's a need for interim GM. Uh, One thing I will say is it would be interesting to see who currently here would get an opportunity. Samir Suleiman uh, constantly the last couple years has been linked with jobs. He got the interview here. Uh, No, he didn't interview here, did he? Was he here before Scott Fitter? I can't remember. I don't think he was. Uh, But I know he interviewed in Pittsburgh when Omar Khan got that job. And Dan Morgan is also someone who will be linked to general manager jobs one day as well. I would imagine that those two guys get an opportunity. And that's one of the big things, too, about it. I I like the front office that they built as far as it was Smear and DeCap. I I like that Dan Morgan's here. I think more like nostalgia-wise. I don't really know necessarily what he's actually been doing. Um, On paper, it it felt good. And the structure was better than it's been in the past. Just so far, things have not played out well. Now, what was that David Tepper um, who hired them? Was it Matt Rule having an oversized influence? 
I just don't know, which is why it makes it difficult. I just wonder if you get rid of Scott Fitterer, what does that mean for Samir Suleiman? What does that mean for Dan Morgan? Do they stick around or do they decide, okay, I'm going to move on and go somewhere else? Um, as far as head coach goes, I, I would be curious. Like, would Jim Caldwell become the interim head coach because he's an experienced guy? Um, and David Tepper knows he wouldn't hire him afterwards. Would a Jero Vero get the chance to be the interim? I would think it would be him over Thomas Brown, just considering how poorly the offense has um, been this season. Jero Vero, who interviewed for the job, maybe then he would get an opportunity to basically get a hands-on interview, even though it wouldn't be uh, much of a chance at all. Now, we didn't give Steve Wilkes much of a chance at all either, uh, and he was able to go 500 down the stretch. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I guess I would think if there's gonna be interim, if there's gonna be a head coach, I would want to see a Jero Vero get the opportunity. Don't think there really be an interim GM. And as far as coordinators and coaches, wave goodbye to. Um, I mean, the wide receiver coach Sean Jefferson probably. I mean, the wide receivers have been terrible. Uh, you would also think that maybe James Campen's probably out the door, just the way the offensive lines regressed. I, I would just think it'd be a completely different coaching staff. The only guy I would try to keep around still is Chris Tabor. So, yeah, everyone else uh, would be sayonara. Uh, Over to Daniel now, who is asking, is there a chance at this point that it's not the Panthers aren't trying to sign Burns, but they may be waiting until free agency hits to see what else is out there. So maybe he can play for a winner because right now winning isn't happening anytime soon for us. Yeah, Brian Burns is maintaining he wants to stay here in Carolina. He wants to see things do. He wants to win here. Um, That's all well and good. But if this team keeps losing and they finish like two and fifteen, one and sixteen, three and fourteen, and he's never won anything and hasn't really come close to sniffing the playoffs aside from last year, you have to wonder if the guy's just kind of ready to move on. The team has had multiple opportunities to trade him away, they didn't do it, and they have not met his demands contract wise. I would be like, yo, just like either pay me or just let me go. And it, at this point in time, just let me go. Just trade me away. Tag me, trade me. Let me go somewhere and win. Um, I don't know. I would think right now, because it's so late in the year, and I, it's not really that late, second half of the season, but it's, it's to the point where you're past trade deadline. He's already played in all these games. He's not going to sit out. We He never was going to sit out. It probably makes the most sense just to wait till March to make a decision on Brian Burns. They're gonna probably they're gonna tag him, and then they get an opportunity to maybe trade him if they want to after that. But really, they start having conversation about a contract extension. I just think that they're the point in the season where they didn't trade him away. He's on the team. They're trying to win games. They're just not totally focused on um, extending players. And what would the optics look like too? It's like, hey, we're one and eight. We're gonna extend Brian Burns. Uh, I don't know if it'd be bad optics, but it just would be kind of a curious time to finally do that, considering you're in a lost season and there's a lot of people who wanted Burns to go somewhere else so the Panthers could get draft compensation. Uh, Final question from Rutger from Pittsburgh. And I was talking to Rutger, asking him, dude, how the hell are you from Pittsburgh and a Carolina Panthers fan? He's not just a Carolina Panthers fan. He's a Charlotte Hornets fan. So this guy's all about Charlotte sports and he's living in a city of champions. I appreciate it. He was young when he became a Panthers fan, and he stuck with it. God bless him, because I can only imagine how difficult that must be living up in the Berg. He asked me, do you think it's time to think about benching DJ Chark and get Terrace Marshall Jr. more snaps and more targets? I personally think we know that DJ won't be on the roster next year and giving Terrace Marshall Jr. an actual chance to prove he belongs in the league or belongs in the starting lineup. Well, I think Terrace has had an opportunity. Um, and, well, maybe has he had an opportunity Hmm. This coaching staff clearly looked at what they had and 
they believe that Terrace Marshall, LaVisca Chenault, and Shai Smith, the three returning wide receivers, were not good enough. And they brought in Thielen. They brought in Shark. They brought in Mingo through the draft. They even brought in Demir Bird. And those are the guys they wanted to roll with. And we saw starting week one that it was Shark. It was Mingo. It was Thielen. Like, those are their guys. And after Terrace Marshall had a big game and Mingo was back after missing game with concussion, they reverted right back to those being the top three and completely forgot about Terrace Marshall to the point where he said, I want out. Trade me. They couldn't get a deal done. Now, Terrace Marshall, right after, right before the trade deadline, against the Texans, only played four, four snaps. Um, and I think a large part was because they were trying to protect him. They wanted to go out there and trade him. And, well, they didn't get a deal done. So once the deal wasn't done against the Colts, uh, DJ Chark played in 41 snaps. Uh, Terrace Marshall played 31 snaps. Then on Thursday with DJ Chark out of an elbow, and Chark was also dealing with the elbow against the Colts with Chark out, Terrace Marshall Jr. played 47 snaps, which is 78% of the snaps um, against the Bears. So he's played more the last couple of weeks than he really has all season long. I don't know whether he really belongs in the starting lineup. I, I Second round pick, had all the injuries. The hope was that he could be that number two to DJ Moore. And that happened a little bit last year. He had his moments. And he has not been able to carry over that performance to the season and in large part and not I don't know if in large part but it also feels like he hasn't been given that much of an opportunity and when he did get an opportunity and he performed well they forgot about him so maybe he should get an opportunity considering that Chark's not going to be here he's not under contract Marshall's under contract at least for one year he also would be a, a candidate you would think of somebody that would be traded we had talked about guys um, like Tommy Trimble maybe gets traded. Same thing with uh, Gross Matos going into the offseason. Really, back in the offseason, we talked about, oh, these guys are kind of on their third year, their fourth year. They would maybe make sense because of some of the additions to the roster as guys that would be traded away. And as we know, that never happened. Terrace Marshall still a trade candidate. But I would, I would, I'm not against him getting opportunities. I would still love to see Terrace Marshall uh, turn into a good playmaker for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I don't think it's just Terrace Marshall. We talk about the offensive line. Cade Mays, Chandler Zavala, they're going to get an opportunity now at left guard to battle it out, be in there. Uh, it makes more sense because they're a part of your future, uh, whether it's Reichstaff or whoever comes over. like They're going to be on the roster. Um, Michael Strong, we saw him make a big play. Frank Reich liked him back in Indianapolis as a developmental player. He's here on the practice squad. He probably gets elevated again, uh, depending on Shark's status. So why not get to see him? Then um, Amir Smith-Marset, he's had that big play as a punt returner, had a bad pass interference call on him. Uh, but why not give him an opportunity? I don't know. Had someone asked me about this, I kind of poo-pooed it. Well, hell, why not? At this point in time, you might as well see what you have. Uh, I don't think any of these guys are answers. To be honest with you, there's going to need to be another overhaul of the wide receiver group. But at this point in time, at 1-8, about to be 1-9, why not give it a shot? All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by your Julie, Julian Council. Again, y'all subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to check me out here on the weekly Wednesday mailbag. Uh, follow me either on, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council um, and DM me or at me at Julian Council to get your questions for next week's edition of the show. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole as always. Keep pounding. And I'll talk to you all on Thursday as will be a Locked On crossover Thursday with Marcus Mosher of Locked On Cowboys.